This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. This is Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Well, it is the longest day of the year. Why not? Why wouldn't it feel like the longest day of the year? Mike Opelka saying hello. Welcome to Pure Opelka here on the solstice. The longest freaking day of the year. After today, it starts getting a little shorter again for a while. And uh, we've got a lot to do today, so I guess it's a good thing that it is the longest day. And here in the constitutionally protected free speech bunker, we have much to free, free speech about. Free speech. Uh, I got There's work going on outside, so you might hear some loud machines as... As a life in the Delaware suburbs has its, <laughs> its dangers. Much to talk about today. And I guess the, the top of mind on everybody's list here, or the top of mind on everyone's mind, the subject of last night's special election in, in Georgia and South Carolina. South Carolina really wasn't a big deal. Nobody was worried about South Carolina. But in Georgia... We were all worried about whether or not the GOP could hang on to a seat that has been reliably read since 1979, a seat that was once held by Newt Gingrich and then recently by uh, Mr. Price. But Karen Handel was facing John Ossoff, uh, an upstart. And one of my favorite moments of last night actually happened before, before the polls really got into full swing. It was early Early in the day yesterday, an Ossoff appeared on MSNBC to try and hype the election and get people moving. And he was also trying to explain away one of the biggest issues of this election, the fact that he couldn't even vote for himself. Listen to his answer. I, I think this, this speaks volumes of the Democratic ego. I know you said it earlier, every vote counts. It is all about voter turnout. And I asked you the other day, but it's extraordinary. One of the main points that Karen Handel and even President Trump has pushed against you is something that's very easy to solve where you live. And if you get elected, you're going to be spending the majority of your time in Washington. And while people respect across the board your desire to support your fiance, she uh, is in medical school, she walks to work across the street at 4 a.m., you're going to be getting a job that has you on a plane living in another part of the country most days of the week. With every vote counting, with every point counting, why not move, sir? Well, Steph, voters just aren't asking me this question. Voters are asking me what I'm going to do to improve our local economy. Voters are asking me what I'm going to do to ensure they have access to health care. Voters are asking me what I'm going to do to bring greater accountability to Washington. Folks here in Georgia's 6th District care about how their representation is going to impact their daily lives. And frankly, if this is the best argument my opponents have against me, I'm feeling pretty good about the outcome tonight. I grew up in this community. As you mentioned, I live a couple of miles down the road to support my fiance while she finishes medical school. I'm running to serve my hometown town in Congress and I want to make him proud. But John, since the special election where you were at 48.1, things have only moved to 48.8 with 50 million bucks under your belt. So voters care about a lot. If you look back on this and things are that tight, wouldn't you say to yourself, just get an apartment in the district? This race counts so much. Now, wouldn't you think he would have said we talked about it and we discussed it? Uh, I can't imagine 
This was this was yesterday as the polls had just opened and he's presented with this simple. Now, first of all, he knew about this problem a month ago, two months ago. He could have easily done exactly what this MSNBC host said, and he could have taken an apartment in the heart of the 6th District and said, this is where I will live once the election's over, and spent every single day there. With all of that $50 million that was funneled into his campaign from all over the country, somebody could have bought an Uber to drive his girlfriend, fiance, back and forth to medical school every day. Nobody understands that... uh, Optics are really important in elections. Optics, optics, optics. And especially saying all politics is local. Especially in a house race. But here's his answer after after he was asked, you could you couldn't see that you could just rent an apartment? Well, if voters were raising that as a serious concern, Steph, maybe I would, but voters care about how policy and how representation is going to impact their daily lives. They know I grew up in this community. They know I grew up in the 6th District. They know why I'm a couple miles south of the line. It's just not a major issue in the race. I'm focused on delivering representation uh, that will serve our local economy, that will serve the daily needs of the people I hope to represent. And, uh, and I'm offering a fresh voice uh, to, to bring that kind of service to the 6th District. John, okay. What adult... I have to say, this guy is adult. He may be a worse candidate than Hillary Clinton. What he just laid out was the same thing he had said before. He kept repeating a talking point that somebody told him would help. That, oh, I'm here, I'm, I'm just uh, making sure I'm, I'm standing by my fiancé while she completes her medical school. He just kept saying that over and over again. And now we all know the answer. We all know what happened. We all know that the polling data, again, just like the the fall election, was wrong. The polling data was very wrong. And while I talked about my instincts that I thought there was going to be a a very, very razor-thin win for the GOP in this district, remember, Trump won it by just a point and a half. I didn't anticipate that it would be as big as it was because based on the Trump win that one and a half percentage point victory in October the four point win by Karen Handel is gigantic and here's the other takeaway on this Uh, some of their statements after the election was called last night some of the statements were very telling for example uh, John let's go with the loser first since he was just speaking earlier here's John Ossoff thanking his supporters So this is not the outcome any of us were hoping for. Duh. But this is the beginning of something much bigger than us. So thank you. So thank you. Thank you. Did you really think he meant that? I don't know. He he did talk about the community as well. At a time when politics has been dominated by fear and hatred and scapegoating and division. This community stood up. Women in this community stood up. Yeah, they voted for Karen Handel. 
Come on now. You did. And you picked this campaign up, and you picked me up, and you picked Alicia up, and you carried us on your shoulders. But not across the finish line. <laughs> it's just the lack of awareness is astounding to me. And then across town where everybody had the, the Karen Handle stickers on at Handle headquarters. And yeah, we did put out the offer today. Uh, we originally were scheduled to get her yesterday. And then they said, how about Wednesday? And I was like, I Wednesday could be a bad idea. Maybe we get her today. Maybe we don't. Uh, but Karen Handel across town at her ha campaign headquarters where everybody was wearing the Handel sticker. But they were Trump supporters. Listen to this. And a special thanks to the president of the United States of America. That crowd yelling Trump, Trump, Trump. Our equally great vice president. So she used the, the typical politician applause lines. But the fact that the Democrats tried to make this a referendum on Donald Trump and that crowd was there supporting Donald Trump speaks volumes. And the Democrats should take that as a, a little bit of something to learn from. She also talked about Steve Scalise. And I think it's appropriate to take a minute to acknowledge a new friend that I was able to make over the course of that campaign, this campaign, and that was Majority Whip Steve Scalise. <laughs> right up until that tragic day on the ball field, Steve would drop me a text message every single week just to make sure I was doing okay and hanging tough I think he even called me the Terminator in one of them. <laughs> Steve Scalise doing what a majority whip should do. He was anticipating that she would win that election and wanted to make sure he did everything he could beforehand to make sure she felt like she was part of that team. Steve Scalise uh, proving before this tragedy why he was the minority whip. And we hope he gets back to that position as well. Uh, Handel made note of something that the Democratic Party will be loathe to point out and i thought this was a pretty interesting fact uh she she remarked on the historic nature of her win last night i am also very well aware of another obligation that comes with tonight's decision by the voters the obligation of being the first republican woman elected to congress from the great state of georgia How about that? Once again, Republicans showing that women can break glass ceilings. You look at the remarkable accomplishment that Kellyanne Conway achieved when Donald Trump won the White House and she became the first woman to lead a campaign for the presidency, the first woman to lead and successfully complete directing that campaign for a president. Now you have Karen Handel, another glass ceiling broken by a Republican woman. You know this has got to be eating the Democrats alive. They've just got to be flipping out.
And in the midst of their flipping out, I have, I have words of comfort for them. And I know what you're saying. Wait, what the hell, Mike? What did you just say? You have words of comfort for the Democrats? Yes, I do. I have a, a huge bit of advice for the Democrats, and that's calm down. Believe it or not, being 0-4 in special elections after the president was inaugurated, being 0-4, they, uh, they have history on their side. And there's a couple of things that, first of all, I don't believe in coincidences, but there are a couple of things, a couple of dominoes that appear to have lined up that actually bode well for the Democrats. So the Democrats who thought last night was going to be some sort of predictor for 2018? Yeah, it could be. And if you're a person who believes in history, then you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. I'll give you the details next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-8192. That's 800-600-8192. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Continuing our discussion over the the Democrats' condition right now. Yeah, we have to be mindful of it. And I said I had some some positive news for Democrats. But first, let's... Shall we have a moment? Shall we have a schadenfreude moment? And check in on the ladies from The View who had to report the news this morning. Yes, of course, why not? People are saying, you know, oh, the Democrats can't pull it up. I just want to say that this race was much closer than anybody thought it was going to be. Wait, 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 wait. This race was much closer than anyone thought it was going to be. Yesterday, the polls said Ossoff was winning. The only poll, the only major poll that said he wasn't was the L.A. Times. All the other polls said Ossoff was going to win. Continue, Whoopi. Anybody thought it was going to be, yeah, particularly right. in a state that has always gone Republican, much like uh, the race that we saw. Oh, my God, where was it? Where the gentleman shoved the other guy. Oh, was that Monta- Montana? They're so upset they can't, they can't get their thoughts laid out. So, Whoop, you're wrong on this one. But, you know, you don't realize it, but you should, you should relax and take heart. Because the Democrats are 0-4 in special elections. The Democrats have now lost four special elections since President Trump has been sworn in. And 
This seems to be mirroring a situation from 2009 and 2010. So if we go into the Wayback Machine and we go back to 2009, after Barack Obama was elected president of the United States, there, there was a shift in the, in, the, in the country, of course. And there were a bunch of special elections held in early 2009. For example, Hillary Clinton, the senator, had to be replaced she was headed over to uh, State Department. Rahm Emanuel in Illinois' 5th District had to be replaced to become Barack Obama's chief of staff. Hilda Solis resigned to become the Secretary of Labor, so she had to be replaced in California's 32nd District. In California's 10th District, Ellen Tosher resigned to become the under Secretary of State for Arms Control and International Security Affairs. Um, a Republican, John McHugh, resigned to become Secretary of the Army, and he had to be replaced in the uh, 23rd District in New York. Robert Wexler resigned in January to become President for the Center of Middle East Peace and Economic Cooperation in Florida's 19th District, so he had to be replaced and Pennsylvania's 12th district, John Murtha dropped dead and he needed to be replaced. So you had, in the first, first few months, you had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Well, there was a senator and a bunch of uh, congressmen who had to be replaced. One Republican among all of those. In all of those elections, in all seven of those elections, Democrats prevailed. Democrats won. Kirsten Gillibrand uh, became, uh, she, she stepped up, and uh, Scott Murphy, she stepped up, she got appointed to be senator, and Scott Murphy won the, that House seat. Rahm Emanuel went to the White House, Michael Quigley won that House seat. Hilda Solis became Secretary of Labor. Judy Chu won that House seat. Democrat, Democrat, Democrat. Ellen Tosha resigned. John Garamendi won that House seat. Democrat in California. John McHugh resigned to become Secretary of the Army. Bill Owens, Democrat, won the New York 23rd District. Wexler resigned to take on that think tank job. Don Deutsch, Ted Deutsch, takes that seat. He's a Democrat. And John Murtha was replaced by another Democrat, Mark Kritz. 7-0, and oh, Democrats ran the table on the special elections early in Barack Obama's administration. And at the same time, what was going on? A contentious debate over a very contentious and very controversial health care bill. And what happened in 2010? You all know what happened in 2010, a wave election because Obamacare was not a popular thing. So just as the Republicans are 4-0 in this election, in these special elections, and they're debating a very contentious health care bill, doesn't it sound very similar? I know, I know, everybody's saying, well, if the economy's good, we won't have a problem. Pay attention to history. It rings true, doesn't it? It's a little disturbing. We'll be right back.
You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network. I am so rude. I am so rude. I am so sorry. The phone number, 888-900-3393. 888-900-3393. Of course, at StuntBrain on Twitter. Watching uh, everything. I, I have an update on the Flint situation, too, by the way. You know... um, it's being investigated right now. There was a, a police officer in uniform at the airport in Flint, Michigan, reportedly stabbed in the neck inside the airport. He is in critical condition. It is being investigated as a terror attack. Just so you know, Flint, Michigan. Possible terror attack, but needless to say, uh, an officer in uniform stabbed in the neck needs some prayers from all of us. And uh, a, a really important issue. We're still in Ramadan, folks. Lots of attacks happen in Ramadan. Let's let's hope um, let's hope this one gets solved quickly. It was deliberate. This was not an accident. Can I go back to the view? Can I? It's just so, the day after something happens that Democrats don't like. It's here's a hip tip. Set your DVR to record the view. And if something really good happens for conservative politicians, just watch the first few minutes of the view because there, somebody on that panel is going to blow a gasket, whether it's Whoopi or Sonny or Joy. Somebody's going to blow a gasket and Jedediah Bila is going to try and just kind of pull him back in. But yesterday we had the victories in South Carolina and in Georgia. And so that means this morning, the ladies of The View have a little bit of a meltdown and I'm there to watch because schadenfreude. Joy Behar. Joy Behar can't, can't even be truthful with herself. Now, what has Joy Behar been talking about since the election? Since the, the election, Joy Behar can't stop bringing up the fact uh, Hillary Clinton got more votes than Donald Trump. Three million more votes than Donald Three and a half million more votes than Donald Trump. Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton, popular vote, popular vote. Well, he didn't win the election. Well, he won the electoral, but he didn't win the Back and forth. This is Joy Behar. Just this morning, just minutes ago, folks, Joy Behar can't even be honest with herself. Generally speaking, Republicans vote in bigger numbers than Democrats. Yes, that's What? Generally speaking, Republicans vote in bigger numbers than Democrats. Well, since since November 9th, all you've been saying is more Democrats voted than Republicans in the presidential election. So how can you even say that, Joy Behar? Generally speaking, well, that was a general election. 
Generally speaking, Republicans vote in bigger numbers than Democrats. You know, you're, you're not entitled to your own facts. You can have that opinion. You just can't have your own facts. Let's hear it again. Come on, Joy, tell it. Tell it to us again. Sense. Generally speaking, Republicans vote in bigger numbers than Democrats. Yeah, no, that's true. Okay? it's not the true. Trick, the trick is to get these people to the polls. Now, how do you get them there? You've got to have a clear message. You've got to... <laughs> this is almost laughable. Well, it is laughable. I'm laughing. This is laughable. You got to get them to the polls. Anyone who's watched the get out the vote effort from Democrats and from some Republican areas knows that they spend money to physically drive people to the polls. But she's also talking about getting people inspired to go to the polls by getting them a candidate who's good. And they they actually have a little bit of analysis here on the election that I agree with. Joy goes right into the point we made to start the show today. The Asoff mistake. The charismatic candidate. You've got to I promise you You've got to do what his Donald Trump did. Right. Yes, but you know what? The bottom this line guy? is... No. What? He was charismatic. I was going to say, he didn't even move into the district. That's that was the issue. The Democratic Party should have said, listen, listen, you want to run, you want to win, you, you move, move into the, the district. He didn't yeah, his whole life there. The, the that's not good enough. Yeah, no, that's true. That's that's true. Even the harpies in the audience figured it out. Even the audience, and now there, there are applause signs in the audience, I have to tell you that I've been in that audience. But even the people at the View audience figured it out that all, all they would have had to have done to blunt one of the biggest attacks that the Republicans had on the Democratic candidate in this special election was to have told John Ossoff to move. Hindsight is twenty twenty. I know, but we've been playing that quote from the debate from weeks ago, might have been over a month ago, where Karen Handel asked John Ossoff the one question, who are you going to vote for? Who are you going to vote for? And it was the perfect way to say, you don't even live here. It just, it's just a wonderful strategy. I, I, I have to admit, I agree with, with Joy on that one, that they should have. Any, any party that had its stuff together would have said, yeah, let's do that. And here's the problem. The Democrats don't really have leadership right now. They don't have somebody at the top who's really putting it together. And, and the person who does have, let's just say, uh, th the most popular support among Democrats doesn't like Democrats. You don't. The heads of the DNC, the two-headed monsters of the DNC, Tom Perez and, and uh, Keith Ellison, the chairman and vice chairman, nobody really knows who they are. Nobody cares. They're not charismatic. And the one guy who Democrats have rallied behind, the one guy they voted in, in mass numbers, in tens of millions of votes in primaries, the one guy who would have been capable of leading this party doesn't like Democrats. He can't even admit to being one. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about Boiney. I'm talking about Boiney Sanders. Bernie Sanders has been talking about how little he likes Democrats, and he is a Democratic Socialist 
for months. Here's a wonderful supercut from the Washington Free Beacon. Everybody was down in Arizona trying to figure out who the leader of the Democratic Party would be moving forward. And that leader was actually in Michigan giving a speech and his name is Bernie Sanders. The Democratic Party is failing. I think it is time for the Democratic Party to reassess uh, what it stands for and where it wants to go. The soul of the Democratic Party was lost. That Trump didn't win the election. The Democratic Party lost the election. In my view. It is not a question of Trump having won the election. It's a question of Democrats having lost the election. Now, the truth is, Democrats should not be losing to a candidate who insults so many people. The Democratic Party must finally understand which side it is on. That Trump didn't win the election. The Democratic Party lost the election. Well, right now, I was elected for this term as an independent. I'm completing my term, and I certainly will stay as an independent, completing this term. We'll cross the next bridge when we come to it. Now, do you consider yourself a Democrat? No. No. <laughs> Bernie Sanders says no. The most popular guy in the party doesn't consider himself a Democrat. Thank God, thank God the GOP won last night, because if they didn't win, if they weren't able to pull this off last night, they would have shown just how weak they are. The Democratic Party is so weak at this point. Now, I know I just mentioned history could be on its side if you compare 2009 to 2017 and what happened in 2010 and 2018, the upcoming elections. But you have a remarkably weak a possibly a historically weak and unorganized Democratic Party. They don't, the, the voters who are Democrats don't identify with Nancy Pelosi. They can't. They absolutely cannot. And, and I think Handel's campaign proved that by linking Pelosi to Ossoff as well as questioning Ossoff's loyalty to the district because he didn't live there it just was an amazing display a stunning clear display of what's wrong with the democratic party now are they smart enough to figure it out well first of all do you think nancy pelosi is going to step to the side no she's not any talk of unity in that party and the need to get young blood into that party pelosi will Pelosi will sacrifice unity to stay in charge because it's the power. It's the same thing with Schumer. Those two at the head of this party, it's, it's not Tom Perez. It's, it's not, uh, what's his name, Ellison in, in Minnesota. It's Pelosi and it's Schumer at odds with Sanders and Warren and they're duking it out for the soul and direction of the Democratic Party. And guess what? They might end up killing their own party. It's in bad shape. It's in horrible shape. And the, that's the only thing that's really helping the Republicans right now, because the Republicans have organizational issues as well. The Republicans have internal conflict as well. We'll get into some of that. But the pelosi schumer old guard is part of what the vote last night was about 
it was a rejection of business as usual in the Democratic Party. And those those young voters that that Whoopi and Joy were talking about moving into that district. Yeah, they're they're more Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren people. And they rejected John Ossoff last night. So it, it wasn't a Trump referendum. I think it was a bad candidate with a disorganized party. And even $50 million couldn't save it. Michael Pelka on Pure Opelka. We'll be right back. Pure Opelka with Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Now that summer's here, now that this is officially the first day of summer, you want to get out and enjoy your life. So write down this number, 800-500-8384. Uh, no, that's not my lottery picks. 800-500-8384. That's relief factor. Call them up. Get the three-week quick start pack for nineteen ninety-five and and you'll you'll experience what I experienced on Benton. That in a matter of days, in my case it was eight days, the pain I had in my knees and my hips and my back and sometimes in my neck, it's all gone because the ir- irritation and inflammation is gone. Relief factor is an all natural anti inflammatory that it's helping so many people, but all I really care about is it helps me. And I know that's selfish. But look, I, I keep it in my bag, my computer bag. I have packets for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and I take it three times a day. The other day when I tweaked my back lifting that 80-pound air conditioner, I took an extra packet, and in a matter of hours, my back was back to normal. The irritation, the inflammation was shrunk. The pain was gone. Try it. Check out relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com. You'll, you'll see the information there or call them and talk to one of their consultants. 800-500-8384. Tell them Mike sent you. Get the three-week quick start pack. And maybe, just maybe, have the summer of your life. All right, we were talking about, talking about the Democrats and this election. And there, there is so much to discuss that's going on. There's so many things that are happening today. We have... Um, I'm sorry, I missed that. Shimon, what did you whisper in my ear? Oh, I had a time warning. I can't get too deep into something. I was talking about the state of the party and the state of the Democratic Party, and I was talking about the state of the uh, Republican Party. And now we know tomorrow we're going to see the health care bill that the Senate has been writing, that, that Nancy Pelosi and everybody else has been crowing about. And, you know, I'll dive into that. But I did just get an update on the investigation into the Flint, Michigan stabbing at the airport. A police officer remains in critical condition. And I think it's important to note there is now a report out there saying that the the guy that stabbed the officer was yelling, Allahu Akbar. If this is a terror attack, we should know. And we should. it's being investigated as one. So... The officer's in critical condition. 
If you prayed for Steve Scalise or anybody else who was hit a week ago today, you should pray for this officer, the guy who was attacked at the airport in Flint, Michigan. I've got so much more to talk about. I need to talk about driver's licenses and genders and a vital question that's already getting me hate mail. You're curious, right? Anything that gets Mike hate mail, you want to hear about. Oh, boy. We'll get to it after the break. Mike Opelka on Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Come on back. With Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Pure Opelka with Michael Pelka only on the Blaze Radio Network. Second hour, Pure Opelka on this, the longest day of the year. I know, it's the solstice, the longest day. So enjoy it. You know, in most parts of the country, it should be a pretty decent day. I know you got some heat out west and southwest. We've got a pretty good day here in the northeast, so I'm going to try and take advantage of the extra light, the extra daytime. I am not going to be taking a selfie today on National Selfie Day. So if that's you, see, this to me would be like a Kardashian holiday. So I'm not going to be involved in that. We're going to have a conversation here today, and I want you to be included in it. Next hour, we're going to talk to Congressman uh, Loudermilk about uh, what happened a week ago and about some of the things he's proposing. He was at the baseball field and was spared, thank God, from the, uh, the shooter. If you heard Glenn talking about it early today, you know what I'm talking about, divine intervention. And uh, but uh, Congressman Loudermilk tells an amazing story, but he's also behind some pretty interesting legislation. And I want to I want to hear from him. And that's at the bottom of the next hour. So please, um, please, if you have to go, if you're just listening at lunch or or you have to go somewhere, make sure you download the podcast later and listen to it. It should be a fascinating uh, exchange. Karen Handel was scheduled to be with us yesterday, and they said, okay, Wednesday, and I don't think they really thought about how late they'd be up celebrating last night. Who knows? We'll see. Maybe we'll get a phone call. The invitation's open. But I want to talk about the latest vital question I posed because it's sparked some interesting messages to me from people who think I am... uh, I'm an evil, hate-filled person. No, I, I don't. I have differences of opinion with people, but I don't want to think of myself as an evil, hate-filled person. And if you want to call me that, the phone lines are open, 888-900-3393-888-900-3393. And why? Why are there people who think I'm an evil, hate-filled person? Well, it's because I, I take exception with a a new law in Washington, D.C., 
that says uh, as early as Monday of next week, a big change is coming to the D.C. driver's licenses. You will be able to get a gender-neutral driver's license. That's right. The um, ward number one in D.C. has a council member, Brianne Nadal, says that you have, uh, right now, you have to choose between a male or female and this on your driver's license, and, and this will change that. Because, you know, you don't want that government-assigned gender, do you? This is what uh, Nadal said. Folks who are transitioning or who do not identify with a specific gender are forced to choose one when they get their driver's license. And you know what I call folks who are transitioning? And yes, I understand that the psychiatric community has recognized gender dysphoria as a real thing. Um, is it fair to call them science deniers or do we call them nature deniers? I maybe science and nature deniers. Maybe, maybe, because, you know, that's they have that argument against people who don't fall in lockstep on on the climate change thing. They're called science deniers. And as far as I'm concerned, when we took science all through high school, your your uh, DNA pretty much told you what gender you were. Because there really are only the two, right? Or maybe there's a third if you count the uh, gender dysphoria thing. Maybe we give that one sort of a special classification. So are the people who don't follow that, are they science deniers? Science and nature deniers? It kind of feels that way, doesn't it? Hmm. Arlie Christian, who is with the National Center for Transgender Equality, says... Your identification doesn't have the right gender marker. If it doesn't, then then there can be problems if you don't have that right gender marker on your ID. Harassment, discrimination. Some are asked to leave restaurants or, or establishments. Some are asked to leave restaurants or establishments. Um, have you ever seen that? Has that story popped up? Has someone been asked to leave a restaurant or an establishment because they're identification has a different gender than they're claiming that day yeah maybe okay maybe it's happened somewhere but i don't think it's out there front and center that this one it just amazes me it it astounds me it confuses me it vexes me how many genders are there seriously There are people in D.C. who don't quite understand it either. The report that uh, was gathered here for this uh, talked to a person on the street and had an interesting take. Personally, I don't think we, anybody was born X. I think it should say male or female. I don't think anybody was born X. It should say male or female. I, I really think this is one is a gigantic waste of time and money, especially when you consider the minute percentage of the population that we are dealing with. So today's vital question of the day, and it's posted on my Twitter account at StuntBrain. How many genders are there? Seriously, how many genders are there? Can somebody tell me how many genders there are? I believe this, this audience is probably in the same camp as I am. I'm willing to entertain a discussion. 
If you just want to call up and yell at me, which some of you do, that's fine. You can do it. But if you want to have an honest discussion about it, let's have an honest discussion about it. I'm going to ask you if you're a science denier. There are different sexualities. There aren't different genders. Not any more than the two that I'm aware of. But the choices I put on my poll, how many genders are there? Two? Three? Which I gave you the question, the transitioning one in there. More than three? Or the fourth choice? No, it's not you can't decide because you know you will decide. The fourth choice is stop this insanity. And I mean that. Stop the damn insanity, people. It's embarrassing. Currently, after a couple hours of voting, 65% of you are saying uh, two genders. 2% of you are saying three genders. Another 2% of you are saying more than three. And a healthy 31% of you say stop this insanity. It's not going to stop. And why is it, going to, is it not going to stop? Because we're afraid to tell people the truth. Because we don't want anyone, anyone, to have hurt feelings, do we? No, we don't, because they're snowflakes. And if we don't let them have their special gender, then God knows what will happen to them. They might melt. They just might fall apart. One of you today wrote to me, where is this? Where is this? Apparently, this is from uh, David. I'm not sure where David is from. David writes, apparently there are now more than 20 genders. Are you ready for this? I don't know if you're ready for this. There are more than 20 genders in the U.S. Army right now. There are more than 20 genders in the U.S. Army. We need to verify that. David just wrote that to me. I'm not so sure about that. I wonder what Corporal Klinger would be dealing with today? That's an old MASH reference, yes, I know. 20 genders in the U.S. Army? Is that so? Is that true? If so, um, can anybody list them? I really would like to know how many genders are there. Somebody, a person of science, call and tell me how many genders there are. Shamant is reading off the astrological signs in my ear. Aquarius, Gemini, Capricorn, Sagittarius. That's those are not genders. Those are bumper stickers on the back of a car in the 1970s. What's your sign? Mine will stop. <laughs> oh my God! We've lost our stinking minds. We've lost our, Shemont, we were talking about this in the break. Shemont and I were talking about this in the break. And I said, how many genders are there? And he's, he's trying to mess with me a little bit, trying to figure out where I'm going. And I actually am asking a simple question. How many genders are there? There are two genders. Two. The rest of it is us not being brave enough to be honest enough with people. Grayson? in Arizona is joining us. Grayson, first of all, welcome to the show, and how hot is it? <laughs> How's the weather over there? <laughs> Good morning, Mike. 
<laughs> good morning. Well, good morning to you. Uh, it's afternoon here in the uh, in yeah, the free yeah, speech bunker. That. How you doing? Great, great. We're uh, nice and cool in this uh, surface of the sun heat. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, it's just the thing that pops right into my mind is, uh, you know, stop thief. Oh, give me a description of that entity that, you know, wh- what's that over there? Well, it looked like uh, I can't I can't tell you if they're black or white or Hispanic or cis, neutral, gender, whatever. It, it gets so confusing now anymore that everybody's ultimately looking out to be so super uber offended and uh, attack you at the drop of a hat if you can't get something specific that's so confusing and so convoluted and now everybody has to look for that super special thing that they are identify with and rattle the sabers and charge that hill you're not aware enough we're we're never aware enough everybody has to be super aware and it's getting so ridiculous anymore it's just it, it it's uh not cool to be normal or boring or just have a regular day you've got to have some kind of you know something that's out there that you just can't really put your finger on ever yeah everybody wants their own gender eventually we're going to have 333 million genders because everyone in the country is going to have their own special gender that (laughs) that you're going to be able to say that now uh, it's just amazing, isn't it, Grayson? And and how did we get here? What's wrong with being just a little bit normal one day? It's, it, it's amazing. We have these we have these wonderful technology now that can tell you what you're made up of. And it, I just thought, how interesting is that? Because somebody's going to get offended that they're part whatever nationality or stuff that's even obvious, and, you're, and they're just shocked. You know, I, I'm from you know, Africa, you know, and, and it, it, it just gets to me that we're going so far in these extremes that nobody really, it, I think it points directly to where truth doesn't matter anymore. It, it yes. Thank you. matter anymore. That you create so. your own truth and you demand yep. that everyone else believe it and and support it and in reality it just says we're afraid to have real truth in our lives and and therein yeah. lies a huge chunk of it thank you grace and uh, i've i'm i'm gonna grab jody in mike, utah real quickly hey jody how you doing hey mike um other than dealing with the stupid being strong in some people i think i'm doing okay <laughs> The stupid being strong in some people. Yes, sir. That sounds like a a Yoda statement. The stupid is strong in this one. Exactly. That's exactly. Because, you know, the force is not strong in them. It's the stupid. Here's the thing. There's only two (laughs) genders. If you don't like it, huh? Um, I'm a little (laughs) younger than you. But I still remember growing up, there was a boys' bathroom and there was a girls' bathroom, and there's a really good reason why. Some people have innies, some people have outies. <laughs> oh, I remember uh, Sister Mathana explaining that very, very thing to those of us in the third grade, <laughs> using the same well, but- term. 
Hey, Jody, I'm way beyond break. Can can you hang on and I'll get to you and I think Frank's in PA. I want to continue the discussion. Can you hang on through the break or give us a holler back? All right, we'll be right back on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. We're asking the uh, very difficult scientific question, how many genders are there? And Jody in Utah was talking to us. Frank and PA is on hold. But Jody, you had the floor, and I, <laughs> I am stealing your idea of <laughs> measuring the stupid in people before we, <laughs> before we allow them into the inner circle. Thank you. Yes, sir. Uh, it just makes your life so much easier. But, and again, like I said, you know, some have innies, some have outies. You know, I would refer to everyone who's confused. There's, there's a book that we can all read that's fairly easy for us to help with this, and that would be Dr. Seuss's The Starbelly Sneeches. <laughs> you know, that it, it's just, you know, some had something, some had another. They go through the little machine, as I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. So there are certain people who yell about gender being a construct, and yet they want to turn around and pretend they're something that they're not. And so they go and surgically alter themselves. And I said to her, well, 100 years from now, when a particular 200 or 500 years, whatever it is, a particular body is exhumed, it's going to be a male skeleton with two water balloons in the coffin, and they're not going to know what that's all about. <laughs> what a beautiful point. Thank you so much, Jody. Have a great rest of your day. Frank and PA, welcome back to the show. Frank, solve the math problem. How many genders are there? Well, there's two, and then, well, unless you're born a hermaphrodite and you're unaltered and that, and you've got both equipment, I'm telling you, uh, we, we need attrition. They used to, in Abraham Lincoln's day, debate the, the legitimate function of government, even down to things like roads and bridges. Now we're uh, to the point where they want to change laws and make agencies and, and do everything uh, based on things like how you feel or think about the way you were born. And I just, this is not a legitimate function of government. This is, this is a waste of our time and our energy, and it, it, it's, it's an outgrowth of an overreaching government that doesn't know its own boundaries anymore. And I really wow. think what we need at this point is attrition. Every time that they uh, propose a new change, in law or a new agency or a new role, I think the question has to be asked, is it a legitimate function of government? It's you bring not. up a, a, wonderful, a wonderful libertarian principle, and that's a, a question that every libertarian wants asked every time a bill is brought forth. Is this a legitimate function of government? 
but you said it was a, a an over something of an uh, something something of an it, overreaching government. It's it's an it's a it's a it's an outgrowth of an overreaching government. Yes, that wants involved in every aspect of 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 everybody's life down to the trivia that it has no business regulating. You're absolutely has- right, and. I thank you for being there and for your clarity every single day. The phone lines are open, 888-900-3393-888-900-3393. The issue, the math question of the day, how many genders are there? We're tra- it's, on, it's on Twitter. You can vote in the poll. It's on my Twitter, at StuntBrain. You should be there following me anyway, at StuntBrain. And uh, we'll, we'll get to the bottom of this. I also have an update on uh, the Flint situation. And um, remember the man bun yesterday we talked about with Barbie's boyfriend? Oh, that whole thing just got You're worse. listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. We are keeping track of this uh, vital question poll that will be up until tomorrow morning. So we'll give you the numbers tomorrow on the show. Currently, it looks like uh, (laughs) this audience, very smart, very clever audience, is uh, in sync with each other and understands that there are only two genders. There are more than, let's see how many of you are saying it right now. Okay, currently 64% of you say two genders, 2% say three genders, 2% say more than three, and 32% of you say, please, God, stop this insanity. <laughs> I added the God for emphasis. Uh, you can vote, again, at StuntBrain on Twitter. Uh, update that we're going to be getting an update. Here's, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. The FBI held a very brief press moment outside of the Flint Airport, the Bishop Airport in Flint, Michigan. Uh, we had a, a police officer in uniform at the airport stabbed inside the airport. And he is in critical condition. If you have a moment, say a prayer for this officer whose identity we don't know. There is one report that says uh, the phrase Allahu Akbar was shouted. We don't have confirmation on that. It is being investigated as terrorism. We will update as we get information. An hour from now, we're expecting to speak to Congressman Loudermilk, uh, a guy who was at the scene one week ago today where the terror attack took place. No other way to call it. The guy who happened to be a Bernie Sanders fan who tried to assassinate 30 members of Congress who were there and some of their staff who were there practicing for the congressional baseball game. Uh, he is, he's got some things that he's working on that we'll, we'll talk to him about. Some planned legislation. And uh, we'll, we'll get some words from him. 
Also, our friend Billy Hallowell checking in this morning. There's a couple of trends on Twitter today. Uh, both of them I'm not participating in. The first one is National Selfie Day. No, not selfieing today. Uh, the second one is uh, hashtag adulting in five words. And uh, my buddy, my old colleague, Billy Hallowell, <laughs> said, said it best. Adults don't say adulting ever, ever. And I just hashtagged it truth. He's exactly right. A couple of directions I can go here. There's a, a couple of stories that need updating or more explanation. Both relate to the situation in Europe. I also have to get into uh, a point about festival music events and, and stuff that brings us together. Yeah, I'll get to that a little bit later. Let's talk about what happened in Brussels. Yesterday, there was the incident in Brussels where a guy in the central train station in Brussels had a suitcase with explosives in it. It had uh, explosives, it had gas, it had nails, and he was also reportedly wearing a belt that looked like a suicide belt and a belt with some more explosive type things attached to it. The suitcase apparently ignited. And here's the thing about it. The suitcase that exploded at the Brussels train station didn't really blow up completely. Just part of it caught fire. So thank God it was not completely connected this guy this this jerk this terrorist did not completely finish his job of assembling his his tools of terror that suitcase part of it ignited and that caused the military guard who was there in the train station to draw his weapon and take him out absolutely totally wiped him out and i i love it when we now see Suspect has been neutralized because we now know what neutralized means. Neutralized means graveyard dead, right? Shot, killed. And this, this gentleman, a Moroccan man, was identified as, as being part of or living in what they call a jihadist ghetto in Brussels. The, um, here's one of the statements from, from the authorities in Brussels. About 8.30, there has been a small or there has been an explosion in a central station here in Brussels. Uh, the suspect has been neutralized by the military that were present at the scene immediately after the explosion. So the suspect was in fact neutralized, meaning shot graveyard dead. It's better to say neutralized. It sounds better though, doesn't it? And uh, the, the statements continued. There were no other victims. Uh, it, this incident is considered as a terrorist attack. There were no other victims, thank God. Because had that suitcase fully engaged, had that, that homemade bomb that this guy built, had it fully engaged and exploded instead of just catching fire, the nails that were packaged inside that suitcase would have acted like the nails did at the Ariana Grande concert, like the bomb at the... Boston Marathon that shot nails out of the rice cooker. 
that shrapnel, which is intended to do as much damage as possible, could have, could have caused much havoc, death, and or injury to people in that train station. 8.30 at night, not exactly rush hour, but not exactly an empty time. And as we said, the Moroccan man alleged to be part of or living in what they call the jihadist ghetto in this section of Brussels. Belgium, again, seems to be a hot spot. And guess what? Because of the, the Eurozone, borders suddenly mean almost nothing. If you have a passport in one nation that's a part of the Euro, European Union, you are able to bounce around to just about any place you want to go. So th therein lies part of the problem here. Paris has already made that discovery. Today, this morning, they opened up that train station. And of course, th the mayor of, of Brussels is saying, yes, we had to open up the train station. We want to get back to normal. And I agree they want to get back to normal. But am I the only one who feels like this is becoming so commonplace now that we're starting to accept it? That are we going to have to accept the fact that there are going to be bombers every day in what was once one of the calmest parts of the world, Europe? We used to look at the Middle East and say, where, where are the bombers? Where are the suicide attacks? And now, now they're happening in Brussels and London and Paris and Nice and California, and maybe in Flint, Michigan, and Orlando, and Ohio. Anybody else a little nervous? Yeah, the world is a bit on edge today. And the situation in Flint, which uh, we are expecting to get some sort of update, the, the airport's still closed, I believe. That whole situation at the airport is still under investigation. They said nothing about the stabber, the attacker. I wonder if they have a person of interest. Uh, oh, they do say now suspect in custody and the officer has been upgraded from critical to stable condition. The airport police officer was stabbed in the neck and in the back and earlier was in critical, but he's been upgraded. So yes, there is a suspect in custody. I wonder how long it'll take to get the airport back open again. It's it's Flint, Michigan, not a tiny city, but not a major metropolitan area. Flint can't seem to catch a break, can they? Between the water and now a, a possible terrorism situation. And continue your prayers for this police officer, please. When we get back, I want to talk about shrinking government. Uh, you know what a fan I am about shrinking government. I also have uh, a discussion about the story in London, because remember we talked to you about London and creeping socialism and the fact that the head of the Labour Party wanted to take any empty apartments that rich people had, any empty homes in rich people that rich people had in London, that they were property banking. That was the term they used, property banking. Remember that story? Yeah, well, the other shoe just dropped on that story. And I, I don't think you're going to believe it. And nobody's going to understand the cascading effect it will have and the problem it's going to cause London and the rest of that socialist-loving nation in England. We'll tell you about it next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. We are less than an hour away from talking with uh, Congressman Loudermilk about what happened last week and about some of the new legislation he has proposed. You want to be here at the bottom of the next hour? Last week, I, I talked at length about the ridiculous proposal from the the leader of the Labour Party in, in England. The guy that says, hey, I know what we should do. We should confiscate. And this is Jeremy Corbyn, the guy who's head of the, the Labour Party with 40% of control of Parliament. I know what we should do. We should confiscate empty homes from rich people, take them over, and put the people who were made homeless by the fire at the Grenfell Tower into those empty buildings because those people have too much. So we have to take that away from them. We have to take away their property and give it to people whose whose homes were burned up. And they've been made homeless uh, because of n- nothing they did. It's just misfortune. Because that would be the fair thing to do. And I, I said, oh, oh, dear God, this is government confiscation. In this case, they called it property banking. And I wonder if they would, how they would think about uh, gold banking or cash banking or food banking. Could the government then say, oh, you have too much money. We need to take that. We're just going to need to give that to some people that don't have money. We're gonna, that food you have, we're going to take that too. And we're going to decide who gets it. So what happened overnight in, in England, 68 apartments in a $3 billion luxury block of apartments have been taken. Well, actually, taxpayers are paying for them. The government is buying 68 apartments in a luxury building, and they're going to be given, those are the words in the report, given to families whose lives were um, devastated by the fire. The people who were evacuated when the Grenfell Tower burned up are set to move into uh, a luxury complex in the heart of Kensington. Now, here's, here's the deal. This is as reported in The Standard. The, the, this, this complex of, of beautiful apartments is under construction. It's just about finished. The penthouses sell for about $20 million in American money. And they, the apartments in this complex that they're going to take are going to be given to families to move into. 68 of the apartments have been picked up at a cost of tens of millions of taxpayer dollars. And in the wording, they say this will permanently house families from Grenfell Tower. I'm serious. This is actually going on. The labor leader called for this. The government has put it together. They're going to um, move people into this, this group of apartments. Now, let's say you bought an apartment in this. You're a person who saved your money and worked real hard, and you bought an apartment. A, a two-bedroom apartment in this complex would normally cost about $3 million, $3.5 million. They're giving these to people who got burned out of an apartment in a much lower rent area. 
So you've already bought an apartment and now a bunch of people, essentially homeless people, I feel for them and their their predicament, but the city has purchased these and they said they are permanently moving the people in there. How's that going to affect the value of, of your investment? According to one report, the garage connected to the complex is full of Maseratis and Ferraris. It's going to be interesting. Very interesting. The local authorities say the government must work to ensure that all residents affected by the fire will be rehoused in the area. Unless they choose not to be. But who's going to turn down a free $3 million two-bedroom apartment? As a matter of fact, if I've paid my taxes and I'm living in a one-bedroom apartment that's not nearly as nice... I'm going to wonder why the hell I'm not being offered one of those. Take my one-bedroom apartment and put me in one of the new ones. I paid my taxes. Why does that person get to make this happen for themselves? Oh, maybe my apartment's going to catch on fire. Will the government then rehouse me in some place just as new and as nice as these people? It's crazy. Last week, I didn't think it could happen. It didn't even take a week. It's not creeping socialism. It's sprinting socialism. Look out, my friends. We'll be right back. Pure Opelka. With Michael Opelka. On the Blaze Radio Network. This is Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka only on the Blaze Radio Network. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Where to start? Third hour on Pure Opelka. Welcome back. Thank you for being here today, first of all. Thank you so much. Every day. Thank you for being here. And if Lawrence Jones is listening, oh, I'm in so much trouble. <laughs> I'm just glad I'm lucky I'm not in Dallas this week because yesterday I was telling the story, the sad story of Lawrence Taylor, the ex-NFL great, former New York Giant, two-time Super Bowl winner, Lawrence Taylor, who's lost his way and ended up DUI, hitting a cop car in Florida and a camper, and he ended up getting a very light sentence. And as I was explaining it yesterday, I accidentally said the name Lawrence Jones instead of Lawrence Taylor. Not once, but twice. Okay? It happens. I don't have a lot of Lawrences running around my life. So during the break, Mr. Jones stopped by to give me a proper dressing down. And I'm just very glad because he's... He's bigger than I am, younger than I am, but uh, fortunately for me, he's a lot nicer than I am. Lawrence Jones is in the studios in Dallas today. I th think he's filling in for uh, Dana tonight. So if you're so inclined, visit the Lawrence Jones program, filling in for Dana Lash tonight. And I think he's coming to New York, but I don't know what for. 
he's a foxy one, that Lawrence Jones. He, he's crafty. Maybe he'll tell us. Uh, by the way, there is a uh, vital question of the day that is currently up on Twitter. I would like you to participate in it. You can also weigh in on the phones, 888-900-3393, The question of the day relates to the story out of Washington, D.C., and I think Oregon is doing this too. If you're going in to get a driver's license now, you do not have to... Uh, you do not have to select male or female. You can actually just pick X as a gender. And uh, I'm one of those people that uh, wants to know how many genders there are. Just how many genders are there? Please tell us. We need to know. Currently, based on, on the numbers, uh, you guys have voted in decent numbers already today. We have about 16 hours left of voting. 64% of you say two genders. 1% of you, so that means at least two people have voted this way. 1% of you have said there are three genders. 2% of you are saying there are more than three genders. And 33% of you would just like to stop this insanity. And guess what? I'm, I'm with you on stopping the insanity. I know, I sound like Susan Powder. Anyone know that reference? Anybody else understand that reference? But if you want to weigh in on the question of how many genders there are, please, please join in the conversation. We had some really interesting and very smart people weigh in last hour. The bottom of the hour, we're scheduled to talk to uh, Congressional Representative Loudermilk. And a week ago, he was in a very different headspace, I'm sure. But he has some fascinating pieces of uh, legislation we're going to talk about today. If you weren't here earlier, I broke down the, the election last night, not just the, the Georgia one, but the South Carolina one and what it means. And the story here, so many Democrats are disheartened today, and I'm warning the Republicans against being too uh, confident. Let's not be overly confident here, because if history teaches us anything, if we go back to 2009, there were seven special elections after the inauguration for a couple of months to fill important seats, and Democrats won all seven of them. Six of them were replacing Democratic candidates, but they successfully defended all of those and picked up a Republican seat. So back in 2009, the Democrats were 7-0, and oh, and here in 2017, Republicans are 4-0. and oh. And back in 2009, the Democrats were ramming through a wildly unpopular bill that was going to take over one-sixth of the U.S. economy, and it was called Obamacare. And currently, in 2017, the Republicans appear to be trying to ram through a bill that will, again, take over one-sixth of the U.S. economy, and the Democrats are calling it Trump Care. Anyone see any parallels here? And we know what happened in 2010 and then what happens or could happen in 2018. The GOP would be very smart to be mindful of history. I'm just saying. The other side of this election that I touched on briefly yesterday, the other side of the special election in Georgia, 
that Democrats tried to make both a referendum on Donald Trump and a referendum on the GOP overall, uh, unsuccessfully, I might add. The other issue there, to me, was money. And this was, many have talked about this being uh, the most expensive congressional race in the history of our nation. And it certainly was that. And you have to wonder what those big donors feel like, what those people from out of state must feel like. The people who put up the millions, the tens of millions of dollars to support John Ossoff, only to find that he could not even increase his percentage of the vote from the runoff to this special election by one full percentage point. I think he was up like eight-tenths of a percent over the previous election. Could not even muster that with all that money. They couldn't do it. And you, you heard me play the clips from the ladies on The View who were just having a hard time swallowing this one. And, of course, they blamed the candidate. Joy Behar came out and said, had he moved into the district, it would have been a better idea. All he had to do was move. The Democrats should have told him. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Joy. Where were you about two months ago when we all discovered the guy was not even living in the district? I loved it. Yeah, I'm having a little fun with it. But that story, uh, when we talk about the money, let's get down to this money. Because now uh, John Ossoff, the loser, the biggest loser in, in yesterday, well, may, maybe, maybe John Ossoff is not the biggest loser. Maybe it's the entire Democratic Party. But uh, today on Morning Edition, the NPR show, Don Os John Ossoff is quoted as saying, quote, the role of money in politics is a major problem. Gee, you didn't seem to have a problem with the role of money in politics last week or even yesterday when $40 million went to your benefit. Ossoff continues, and particularly the role of unchecked anonymous money, where there have been um, super PACs in Washington who have been putting up tens of millions of dollars in attack ads for months now. Yeah, and your side had tens of millions of dollars to spend on attack ads and a ground game and everything possible, Mr. Ossoff. So now, the day after you lose, you want to talk about money and politics? You should have been with me over a week ago, over three years ago, when I started talking about the negative effect of money and politics and how it hurts both sides and we have to do something about it. This election, this one special election, costs more money than Ronald Reagan's 1984 re-election cost. Think about it. Even with money adjusted for inflation, this, this absolute insane amount of money that was spent to get somebody elected to make a statement, it was nothing about doing the job, it was to make a statement. This was a, a foot-stomping thing. This was for all the people with the kitty cat hats 
And CHR, I heard you. I didn't call it what I wanted to call it. All the people with the kitty cat hats can put their hats away. You're 0-4. You can stop stomping your feet. You can scrape the resistance sticker that covers the I'm with her sticker on the back of your Prius off now and start getting on with your life. When the money for one congressional seat in a tiny district in Georgia is more than Ronald Reagan spent to get reelected in 1984, we have a problem and we need to talk about it. Now, the reality is all the television stations, the newspapers, the radio stations in the 6th District are saying, shut up, shut up, we love all that money. We would create extra ad time if we could. But the corrosive effect of this, this amount of money on our political system can't be underscored enough. It is a corrupt problem. It, it is a problem that we have to be honest about. And when you win, you can be happy about it. But come on, people. Over $50 million was spent. John Ossoff outspent Karen Handel 7-1. to one, And he still lost. I go back to what I said yesterday. What could that money have done? What good could that money have brought to the people of the 6th District or, or several districts around the, around the nation? How many kids could have helped get healthy? How many kids could have put in better schools? How many people would have been better off? Just a waste of money. But, you know, the Democrats thought they could buy this. And yet what the name we will hear the most when we talk about this from Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, the Koch brothers, the Koch brothers have raised their ugly head and they purchased another election. Psst, Bernie, Bernie, the money didn't come from the Koch brothers. The $40 million came from Hollywood and big liberals. Never mind. Never mind. They're still bad people, Koch brothers. When we get back, I want to talk about something I saw late yesterday, and I don't know if you saw it, but I think it bears discussing. Talking about the Philando Castile dash cam video. There's nothing we can do to bring back Philando Castile. But um, if you haven't seen the video, it's on the blaze. You need to see it. It's very disturbing. It's hard to look at. But I also think it's something we need to look at. We need to try and be honest about it. So we'll address that situation. Then around the corner, we'll talk to Congressman Loudermilk. And uh, I do have a thought about what, what brings us together. And we'll get to that next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. This is a tough moment. This is a tough segment. 
I, I debated whether or not I wanted to go here. And I've decided that this audience, being as smart and as grown up and as mature as it is, can deal with this. And I think it's important for us to be honest with each other and say that we have to be able to talk about really uncomfortable things. We have to be able to say when something's wrong, even though the courts have said it was okay. We have to be honest with each other that sometimes really bad stuff happens. And I believe, such is the case of the situation with Philando Castile, the young man of, of Ramsey County, Minnesota, who was shot in July of 2016 by Officer Geronimo Yanez. It's, uh, it's dash cam video that apparently was shown during the trial, but just was released to the public in the last couple of days. It's dash cam video that I didn't want to watch, but I did. I'd seen the Facebook video from Castile's girlfriend, and I'd seen the reports from the court after the jury did not convict. It's a really, really gut-wrenching piece of video. Yanez was acquitted on two felony charges of endangering Reynolds as well as her daughter, her four-year-old, who was secured in the back of the vehicle in a child's car seat. During the trial, the woman told the court, or Yanez told the court he feared for his life. He was acquitted of manslaughter. He was acquitted of two felony charges endangering the woman's life, Castile's girlfriend's life. It's really a, a, a tough piece of video to watch. I'm going to play the audio for you. It's the officer walking up to the car as it stopped on the road. And, and I'm not going to stop the gunshots because I want you to feel what I feel. I want you to try and understand this. I think, I think we, all of us live in a very multicultural world. We live in a world of many colors, and we have to be able to have an opinion on this. You can't be afraid to watch this and form an opinion. And you have to be honest. This is what happened as, as the officer walked up to the car. Well, sir. The reason I put you over you, your brake lights are out. So you only have one activated, active brake light, and that's going to be your passenger side one, your third brake light, which is up here on top, and on this one back here, that's going to be out. you have your license for insurance? Okay, now right now it's a pretty normal stop, right? Look, you have three brake lights on the back of your car. There are the two on each, one on each side, and then there's the one that makes the triangle of red lights in the middle of your rear window. Two of the three were out. The cop had a legitimate reason to pull over the car. And he did so. And then he asked for the license and registration. And this is where the bottom falls out. He hands him his registration. I have to tell you, 
I do have a okay. firearm on okay. me. Don't reach for it then. Don't pull it out. Don't pull it out. That that just happened. The video is shocking. If you were to see this in a movie, movie you could you could put a a suspension of of disbelief or a suspension of reality into it. You could say it's only a movie, but this is life. This was Fernando Cal Castile's final moments on this planet. In front of his girlfriend, in front of a four-year-old child in the same car. By all accounts, and obviously we can't see what was going on inside the car because we only had this one point of view from the cop car behind. It's a horrible situation. Nothing's going to bring back Philando Castile. Nothing's going to change the life for that, that little child or, or the girlfriend. Nothing's going to make Philando's mom feel better. It's it's a really tough situation. I'm sorry, but this this looks like an officer who was given a pass, and he freaked out. And I I can't say what was in his heart. I love cops. I love our military. This one is this one's a tough one. I think you need to watch it and form an opinion so that if it comes up in conversation. You can feel something about it and not avoid it. We'll be back with Congressman Loudermilk next on Pure Pelkin. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. We are very pleased, very lucky to get a few minutes of time with a member of Congress, uh, Congressman uh, Barry Loudermilk from the 11th Congressional District in, in Georgia joins us. And I'm, I'm guessing it's a pretty good day for the Georgia Coalition today, Congressman. How are you? I'm doing I'm doing very well. Yeah, it is a good day. Uh, you know, we have five appointees uh, by uh, President Trump, and we fill the, all those seats with five Republicans. So it's uh, it is a good day. You know, we can move on with our agenda. Well, that's good. That that's an important thing. You know, a week ago we were all busy um, saying prayers for Steve Scalise and everyone involved, and you were there at that practice. And then uh, the next day, we, a bunch of us were in D.C. for the baseball game. And we're happy to announce, and I'm sure you've heard it, that uh, Steve Scalise has been upgraded to fair condition and moving towards the rehabilitation phase of his injury. So the great news, and everybody needs to keep praying. But we still got work to do, don't we? We do. We have quite, uh, quite a bit of work to do. And, I mean, that was you know, that, that event last Wednesday, you know, I was on the field, as you said, uh, had numerous shots fired directly at me. It's uh, one of those one of those moments when you feel so vulnerable is uh, having no way to, to, to 
to defend yourself and shoot back. But, you know, the impact that it's had on our conference is, is really it's uh, rallied us together stronger. You know, the, the fact that Steve didn't die on the field or Matt Micah, the, the staff member who was shot in the chest, didn't die is, didn't die is just a miracle. I mean, uh, the rounds that were being fired were military-grade. They're, they're designed to kill on impact. Um, I'm looking at a guy, when I uh, ran off the field, I went to the shed, I saw Matt lying there. My plan was to get the shed, get eyes on the shooter, and then find an escape route to get out of the way. But once I saw Matt, I realized, all right, I can't leave this guy here. And uh, he's got a pretty bad, I mean, very bad wound to the chest, bleeding pretty badly. Uh, and he's going to be fine. And so it's just, a, it, it's an amazing, amazing thing that <laughs> of what had happened. You know, it's terrible, but at the same time, it's just a, you see the miracles and the, the number of heroes we had on the field that day. Well, amen to that. And the power of prayer stands out. And I'm with you on saluting the heroes and saying thanks, God, for all that other stuff, uh, for all the other great works that the doctors and the first responders were able to do. Now, you, you've got a t- couple initiatives we need to let people know about. One, one I believe, relates to uh, uh, pr- self-protection and the other relates to the military, which you want to take on in our short time. Well, um, we have uh, we haven't uh, we haven't actually uh, initiated anything yet. We're looking at uh, some uh, some things that we need to do to open up to allow people that when you know there, there's plenty of bad people out in the world today. I'm sorry, I had to step on the floor and vote real quick there. Um, okay, but there's uh, there's plenty of bad folks out there, and the rhetoric is so high that it's just inspiring people to do ridiculous things like this. And if this incident would have happened in Georgia. It wouldn't have lasted near as long. My chief of staff was parked in an area where he, he probably had a shot that was 10 to 15 yards away from from the shooter directly into his back. But because uh, Washington, D.C. has outlawed guns, and that's where our apartments are, uh, even though we could have carried in Virginia, uh, no one had a weapon out there except for the two police officers. Had not Steve's police been on the baseball team or even at practice that day, it would have been a little bloodbath. So we have to you have to be able to enable citizens to protect themselves. There were numbers of police officers came to that field to investigate. Had there not been the two Capitol Police security detail officers there that day, there would have been nobody on the field being able to fight back. So, and I fully support our law enforcement. They do a tremendous job, but they're not everywhere every time. Usually they're investigating a crime, not stopping a crime. And so uh, we have to look at ways to better defend ourselves, allow the American people to, to better defend themselves. Well, I support it as a concealed carry permit holder myself. I support it, and I, I, feel, I feel like there is concern among some folks that by giving uh, members of Congress the right to carry, we'll be creating a second class, uh, another class of gun owners. And uh, I, I want, I'm one of those people, Congressman, who wants congress to have what we have and we have what congress has so uh, i'm a person who says if you're good enough to carry concealed uh as a congressperson a citizen should have the same right right and there's uh there's a lot of fake news out there right now that uh somebody took a statement i said and turned it around backwards that uh i told the press i said look if i'm ever in a gunfight again i don't want to be but if i am i want to be able to shoot back and uh, I'm no better than any other citizen out there. But the, the truth is, I'm a target, not because of who I am, but because of the position I'm in. I become a target 
uh, for a lot of evildoers. Now, the problem we have here in Washington is even with the reciprocity bill, which I am a co-sponsor of, uh, Richard Hudson's reciprocity bill, that would not fix the problem we have here in D.C. And my point was not just for congressmen, but anybody that works or has to reside part-time in Washington, D.C., that reciprocity bill would not help them because basically Washington, D.C. is not a state. It is a district. We have to have other legislation to address the ability to carry in D.C. And so uh, in no way was I advocating only allowing uh, congressmen to carry, but because many of us actually do reside part-time here in the Washington, D.C. area, as do other people that come up here. Uh, the, the, the bill that we have out there, the reciprocity bill would not fix the problem that we're addressing right now. Well, it's, it's, it's an issue. I think, uh, we're all interested to see you guys keep pushing it forward. Uh, I know you're short on time. What's up on the, uh, C-130J Super Hercules program. I, I know this is a vital interest to not just your district, but to the department of defense. Uh, Is that project going to get pushed forward? Well, the president is uh, is you know strongly uh, advocating to strengthening the military. When you look at our, yeah, C one thirty is the workhorse of the Air Force. I spent many years in the Air Force, and uh, it 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 plays so many missions for the Air Force, from special operations, gunships to um, you know carrying cargo, carrying personnel. My son, who's airborne, he's made several jumps out of C one thirties, and that new J model is. Uh, has longer range the engines are are much more efficient they're cleaner they don't leave smoke trails i mean there's just so many advantages to that c-130j that uh, our national guard and reserves are uh, their planes are quite aged and uh, they're very expensive to maintain so we're pushing for the military to upgrade uh to get the adequate number of these uh, uh weapon platforms and uh uh cargo planes out there i mean it's just c-130 is so versatile and everything it does that we have to be able to upgrade we've got to you know there's arguments out there that we're way ahead of the other nations uh why why do we need to spend as much as we do on defense and you know we have to be very sensitive especially with the level of debt we have but it isn't you can't compare us just to one other nation such as uh russia and what they spend you can't uh, compare us just to north korea you can't compare us just to iran you have to compare us to all those together because they're all potential enemies that could strike us at the same time. And we are the leader of the free world. And uh, we have to make sure that our people are safe and secure and able to exercise those constitutional rights. So uh, we need to make sure. I, I've always been an advocate. If you're the biggest, baddest dude on the block, then you don't have to worry about as much. You just you just handle the way that you handle your weapons. So. Yeah. I agree with you. I, I love hearing about this project, and I also like the clarity on the Second Amendment rights. And the the next time we talk, can we talk about Rand Paul's base running and his hitting? Because I, I was at the game, and I got some issues that we have to deal with. Well, let me tell you, going into that game, most of us that were on that field that night got very little sleep. I mean, I got three hours, and I mean, I was I was expecting to do much better at the plate than I did. I usually hit. I went four for four at the last year's game. Um, and when I got out there, you could tell everybody was pumped up. We were out there for the pregame ceremonies. When I thought the other teammates, they were exhausted emotionally, physically. 
Uh, some didn't get any sleep at all. I mean, there were many that, that had the same experience I did. As, as soon as you close your eyes, you're back there again running off the field. Mm. You're hearing the gunshots. Um, and so uh, just before the game, uh, I was over at the practice field where the shooting took place with uh, the team manager, Joe Barton, negotiating with the FBI just to get our equipment. I mean, we didn't you're have kidding. any bats, any helmets, uh, catcher's gear. Um, and so they went and scrounged everything that didn't have blood or bullet holes in it and gave it to us. Literally, we're getting just two hours before we're supposed to be at the field warming up. Wow. Uh, thank goodness to the Nationals, they donated catcher gear because our catcher gear was either shot up or had blood on it. So, it's, um, you know, we are a much better baseball team that was on that field, but we walked on the field winners because we were there. And uh, well, it, next year will be another another year, and we thank you for coming to the game. It was uh, a record crowd. We had more than several uh, major league teams did that week. Well, it was an, it was very inspiring, and your story touched my heart, and I know it touched thousands of hearts as we we felt like we were there with you on the field, and happy to be able to say thanks for you surviving it, and thanks. Right now, it looks like everyone's surviving, so that's. Great news, and and we'll just we'll keep pushing ahead. And yeah, I'll be there next year, and maybe you'll sign my program if we if we get there I would early. Love to. <laughs> Thanks so much, I would Congressman. Love to. Take care, sir. God All bless. Right. You too. Thank you. God bless. Who knew? Who knew that the that the Republican team had to go scrounge equipment for that game? Who knew that? The catcher's equipment was all shot up and had blood on it, was still at the crime scene. I certainly didn't know. Anyone else get a chill when they heard that little detail? I don't know if that's been out there yet. Maybe you guys just got a little bit of a scoop. Thank you. Thank you, Representative Loudermilk. I hope he'll be back. He's a good guy. Michael Pelka taking a break. We'll be back to wrap up today's program. Pure Opelka with Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Opelka with Mike Opelka. Let me make this clear. Uh, I am a user. I am a spokesperson. I am someone who, if I were not compensated, I would still be taking relief factor. Do you want, can I make that any more clear? I started taking relief factor uh, 17, 16 plus weeks ago. It's an all-natural anti-inflammatory that it, it's helping a lot of people. But really, let's let's be honest. In our ego-driven world, the fact that it, it works for me is what's important to me. But I know it works for Doc Thompson. I know it works for Brad Staggs. I know that I had painful knees, that I was considering knee replacement surgery from all of my running and all of my crazy years of running marathons and training to run marathons, my knees were killing me. I started taking Relief Factor. Eight days later, I no longer needed the handful of those green gel caps, those over-the-counter pain relief pills. I don't take prescription pills. It's changed my life. It's made me, made me more active. I've got my life back. I'm playing golf. I'm digging in the garden. I'm doing things. I, I, I'm walking the dog longer. 
call relief factor if you want to try it try the three-week quick start pack it's 1995 a three-week quick start pack it's it's pre-measured for you each packet you just put them in your in your bag it's breakfast lunch and dinner for me and it works 800-500-8384 800-500-8384 it's called relief factor if you want more information you go to relieffactor.com and read up on it or call them and ask them 800-500-8384 relief factor busy day today busy day today my day starts very early about four o'clock in the morning we start working on a a prep sheet that goes out to 300 plus radio stations people like glenn beck and sean hannity and uh mark levin all kinds of people in the radio world smaller stations and it's all about the stories from the blaze and we try and send them our best stories and say hey you want to know what's going on in the world this is the blaze and then I stop and grab a cup of tea at a local convenience store called a Wawa store. And it's the same people every day at five o'clock who are in there, the same people I stare at and say, hi, I don't really talk to them. I just kind of nod. Hi, how are you? Here's my money. But today I talked to everybody. Why? Because I walked in and there had been a small fire inside the store, inside the machine where they cook the, the, the bacon or something. But there was smoke everywhere. And it's the first time everybody checked on everybody else. It's the first time everybody said, you okay? You're going to be all right? Are you sure you should be in here? And yeah, it was the time when complete strangers stopped and actually tried to reach out to another human being. And why was this? Because of a problem. Because of a, a situation that, that one was concerned for their fellow human being. And so I, I was reminded we should, we should look for those opportunities every single day. We should look for those chances to dare to be human, to dare to reach out and say hello to the person who takes your five bucks every morning. The person you would obviously and most likely never spend any time really having a good conversation with them because you just want to get to your office and get working. But today, because of a fire and the bacon machine and the bacon oven, I actually talked to most of the people who worked at the local Wawa store. And I know tomorrow I'll know their names and I'll say hello. And maybe we'll all be a little bit better. And that's kind of what it's about, right? We'll meet here tomorrow in 21 hours and we'll cover the stats on how many genders there are. For now, testudo, my friends, testudo. Pure Opelka with Michael Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.